Hey everybody, this is Moshe Fried and welcome to the very 141st episode of the Class Stars podcast. Today we will talk about three strikes. The big question is, how do teachers like us, who are being pulled in so many directions, with so many demands and so much to do, how do we make sure that we not only get through our lesson as planned, but also make sure that every child is noticed every day, and that each one gets the attention they need to succeed? That is the question, and the Class Stars podcast is here to give you the answer. Here is your host, Moshe Freed. So it's pretty well known that in baseball, you know, a batter gets an opportunity to hit the ball. We don't expect that the batter should just be able to get up there and take a pitch at 95 miles an hour and be able to hit it. So we give him a couple of chances. Now, we also know that the pitcher has to give the batter a reasonable chance. So if the pitcher pitches the ball outside of the strike zone, that doesn't count against the batter if he isn't able to hit that. That will count against the teacher, against the teacher. You see where I'm going with this already. That counts against the pitcher. And if a pitcher will pitch four times outside of the strike zone, each time out of the strike zone is called a ball, four balls and you draw a walk. All right? It is getting the end of the baseball season, so... Baseball is on my mind, getting ready for the playoffs. Things are exciting, especially here in New York where both the Mets and the Yankees are doing very, very well. But anyway, the batter gets three strikes and he's out. And it's pretty tough to get on base. In fact, baseball has often been called a game of failures because getting out seven out of ten times still is a really great batting average. Batting 300 is really, really good in baseball. So it is a game of failures that is a pretty well-known thing for those who are into baseball, and there's a lot to learn about education from baseball as well. I think uh, a while back I did a podcast episode on Moneyball, um, which was a book turned into a movie about the, how the Oakland Athletics, um, who don't have the budget of teams like the Mets and the Yankees, are able to compete. And what really struck me about that, going off a little bit on a tangent, is that the author of the book was so intrigued about the way the front office of the Oakland Athletics were able to find value in people that the rest of baseball did not find value in. And to me, that resonated so well because as teachers, we owe it to these kids to find the value in them. Anyway, getting back to the uh, purpose of the episode today that, that I wanted to talk about was Imagine if they would change the rule in baseball and they would say, you get five strikes, okay? No doubt the average player would start hitting more. When you give them more chances, they would make more hits, right? If you give them 10 strikes, they'd get even more hits, right? So now, how does this come back to school, to teaching, right? Now, you're probably thinking that the batter here is the child, is the student. But I'm going to say that it's not the student. The batter here is the teacher and the support team of the teacher. So that includes the administrators that are involved, the guidance counselors, any kind of support staff, parents should be involved in this as well. And we are the ones, the adults in the room are the ones who are trying to make this work. We're trying to help the kids succeed. We're trying to get hits. The hits for us is when we're able to get kids to succeed. Now, it's not up to us to make kids succeed. We have 
We don't have full control over that. We have very, very limited control over that. There are certain kids that are going to be difficult to reach, but the way it works right now is that we don't really have that many strikes to play with. And I'll give you this example. This was told to me years ago by a really, really good educator who doesn't want his name mentioned here. Um, He said, let me tell you how kids get lost in the system. It's really simple. Okay, the year starts in September. It's brand new. It's exciting. Nobody really knows each other and takes some time for things to settle down. So give it, you know, a month to six weeks just for things to get settled. All right. And now teachers are starting to look at patterns. Okay. Teachers are starting to look at patterns and identify kids that need help. Okay, so they will identify the two or three kids in the classroom. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's two or three kids. Obviously, in some schools, it's going to be a lot more. But just let's keep it simple. Two or three kids that need help. Okay, so now you've identified these kids that need help. And you implement some kind of an intervention. And it takes a couple of weeks to see if the intervention is working. So you implement an intervention. You wait two or three weeks to see if the intervention is working. And if the intervention is not working, it's back to the drawing board. And now, so... Again, school, school year starts September, we're halfway through October, towards the end of October, we see this child needs an intervention, okay, we implement one, two, three weeks later, we're already into November, it doesn't work. Implement another intervention, takes us to uh, the winter break, that doesn't work. Coming back from the winter break, you have literally four or five chances to get the intervention right to help a child. And so while it's not necessarily three strikes, they're not strikes. We're talking about children's lives here and getting the intervention right. And that makes it very, very unlikely because once you get to spring break, now there's, you know, spring is in the air. Even afterwards, the amount of time from spring break till the end of the year is pretty short. And it's really hard to get things under control, finals, testing, all that other stuff that's going on. We all know. We all know what goes on. Okay, so you really have literally four or five strikes, four or five chances to get the interventions right. And that's really tough. Now, imagine, just like I said before, and imagine if we gave baseball players 10 strikes. Imagine if we gave kids more opportunities. Imagine if we gave ourselves more opportunities to get that intervention right. And how do you do that? How do you do that? If it takes a couple of weeks to measure the effect of an intervention, how can, you, how can you change that? There are only so many weeks in the year, and the year is structured the way it is with all the different breaks that happen and the holidays and days off and whatever. How do you change that? And, and the way I think of it is that it should not take two to three weeks to see if an intervention works. Okay, You should be able to implement an intervention and two days later know if it's working or not. Okay, how? How do you do that, right? The way you do that is if you understand and you are able to document the subtle changes that, inter- that an intervention can cause, can lead to, okay? So for example, if you have a child that's acting out, right? How do we measure progress, right? And I talk a lot about this in the Class Stars training session and the module two, identifying invisible progress. This is really cuts to the heart and soul of this, Okay. If you see that a child is acting out, let's say, 10 times a day, and you implement an intervention, and the next day, or the first day that this intervention is implemented, you see that this child is only acting out six times, 
Okay, that's a 40% improvement from 10 times to six times. Okay, and the next day later, you see that again at six times, or maybe it's five times. You know that that intervention is working. Okay, if the kid is going to act out 10 times the next day, two, three days, and there's no change in the pattern of behavior, that intervention isn't working. But with class stars, because it's so simple to record misbehaviors and it's time-stamped, you really see the subtle changes day-to-day that allows you to react literally day-to-day. So you can implement two or three interventions in a week and see if they're working one at a time, obviously. You can't inter- you know, if you implement more than one intervention at a time, it's hard to know what's causing the change. So it's really important when you are implementing an intervention, do one at a time because you can't necessarily sustain multiple interventions long-term. It's hard enough to, interve- to you know, sustain a single intervention over a long period of time. But if you're going to implement two, then even if it's working, you're not going to know why it's working. It's complicated. One at, one at a time. Let's take it, take it slow. Okay, so by using class stars, and you don't really need to use class stars, although class stars makes it super simple. You could do it with a pen and paper too. By documenting the actual patterns of behavior, you could see if an intervention is working. And, and, and not only that, but because we make it so easy to share the dashboards, to share the charts and the reports, it's easy to get this into the hands of the people who need it. And so by doing this, you actually are increasing the number of strikes, quote unquote, that the, the batter, meaning us, working, trying to get these kids to succeed, giving them the most opportunities that we can, we're actually increasing the number of strikes that we give them from up to a half a dozen at best in a year to a half a dozen in three weeks. Tremendous, tremendous improvement. And if we are able to do that, we have so the chances of getting it right and following through and supporting it just just goes up drastically, just goes up dramatically. And so that's why it's so important to document these misbehaviors. I so often get pushback when I'm showing people class stars for the first time and I show them how simple it is to record misbehaviors. They're like, you don't always have to record misbehaviors. Why are you being so negative? Why are you focusing on misbehaviors? And I tell them, no, we're not focusing on misbehaviors for the sake of penalizing children. Okay, we're focusing on misbehavior so that we understand behavior patterns, so that we can recognize progress and we can support that progress and we can encourage the kids to keep up the effort that leads to that kind of progress. That's what's so important. Okay, so let's start out the year. It's the beginning of the year. It's really, really an exciting time, especially since the last couple of years have just been insane with the pandemic. Let's take a fresh look at this. Okay, and and if you want to learn more about this, you can check out the training course, training.classstars.com. And of course, you can download the Class Stars app onto your tablet device. It's free. Download it. And it's really simple. Just a swipe down on a child, records the misbehavior, timestamps, the charts will show you when they're occurring, if there's patterns to the time, whatever other things might be going on, you'll be able to identify it and deal with it. And you just are increasing the opportunities that you're giving these kids, the opportunities that we're giving ourselves to help these kids. That's what we're increasing. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. And I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for tuning into the Class Stars podcast. 
To learn more about our vision for education, subscribe to us, visit our website, take our free training, sign up for the newsletter, and follow us on social media. Join the revolution in education and become a class stars today, empowering educators one episode at a time.